what an honor. <laughs> okay, okay. How about let's give Jesus some praise this morning, huh? Praise God. I'm so excited that you guys actually made it to Mark 16. I was a little concerned when I had visits through the year about where you were in the book of Mark, not going to lie. But I always know Pastor Hunter, and he always keeps his word. So I'm very excited and honored to be with you guys today. And I honestly want to just honor Pastor Hunter and Liz. They're not only like my spiritual parents, but they're also dear friends, and it's just a blessing to be with them any time that I can. You guys are very blessed with the leaders here at Encounter. All right, awesome. So if it's okay with you, I would like to start with just praying. I would like you guys to pray for me because there's a lot in me that I could say about Mark 16. Um, It's the resurrection and the Great Commission all in the same chapter, so Jesus help me. Um, But also, I want to pray for you guys and myself as well to have a soft heart because something that I've learned this year is that you cannot receive the word of God with a hard heart. And something that Liz mentioned is some, sometimes we go through things and they're unexpected. And sometimes when we have hope in something and it doesn't look the way we expected it to look, our heart can get hard and we get disappointed. And this is a season of the year that is of great joy, but it's also for some people where they realize some expectations in their life aren't met and their hearts can become a little hard this season. And so the day after Christmas, I would really like for us all to have a soft heart, no matter what we've been through this year or in our life. So if you would, let's just pray. So Jesus, I just thank you so much, God. God, I just stand before you as your servant, and I just say, have your way with me today, God. I pray that I would only say the words you would have me say, and I pray, God, that as they're delivered, that it would be like you delivering them, Jesus. And I thank you that one word spoken to someone from you can change their entire life. It can transform their life. And so, God, I'm asking you now to give us the gift of soft hearts, God. We, We may not understand things that have happened. We may have unexpected results in our life and things that we don't understand, Lord, but we know you're good. And I just ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would soften every heart in this place and any area of hardness that might even be in my heart, God. I just say, soften it, Lord. God, we ask that you would give us a heart to receive the word of God, the seed of your word, God, that would bear fruit a hundredfold in our lives, transform our lives today. We give you this time, Lord, and we just say, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So I'm going to go through Mark 16. And just so you know, Mark 15, does anyone remember? I know you guys took a couple weeks off. Does anyone remember what happened in Mark 15? The crucifixion. Right. So Jesus has just died on the cross. So that's, that's how we're entering into Mark 16. And if you're one of those that likes to go through and study the same story in other Gospels, the references are John 20, Matthew 28, and Luke 24. And just so you know, as I read through Mark 16, I'm going to give you some key insights from those passages without going there, just because it's important for you to get the full picture of what's going on. And that's the reason why I really love you guys are reading through every word next year. 
Because when you read through the whole Bible cover to cover, you get the full picture. And I could read you just Mark 16, and you would get a portion of that time in history that God's spoken about in the gospel. So I'm going to be referencing that. So media team, I love you. Thank you for stopping as I stop and going as I go. We're going to tag team this together. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark 16. And I'm going to make a plug for the hard Bible. It's a gift that we can even buy it, guys. There's places all, you know how hard it is to find a Bible in other countries? It is like very difficult. And one day it could very well be difficult here in America. So I'm just going to do a plug to to honor the word physical copy. If you want to get one, get one, please. It's good. All right. So Mark 16, you there? If if you're there, say amen. amen. All right. So now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. So what happened? Jesus died on a Friday. And f- like Sabbath for Jewish traditions is Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. So Jesus was put in a tomb right before the Sabbath started. And though Nicodemus had already anointed him, I'm not sure Mary, Mary, and Salome knew that, but they wanted to go anoint Jesus. So they actually followed Jesus. They saw where they put his body at, and they went, they bought spices, and they were ready to go after the Sabbath, because you have to rest on the Sabbath, to go and anoint him. So very early in the morning on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? You ever go try to do something for Jesus and then realize you didn't think about all the pieces you needed? (laughs) That's kind of what I think about with with Mary, Mary, Salome, right? They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to go. And then all of a sudden they're like, wow, who's going to roll away that big stone for us? But God always makes a way, right? And so when they looked up, they saw... That the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. Amazing, right? And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Can you imagine? They're expecting to go in there and see the dead Messiah, dead body, Jesus, right, lying there. And they walk in, and instead they see an angel. And so they're frightened, right? They're alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen! Exclamation point. These are my favorite three words in this whole chapter. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples, get this, and who? And Peter. Now I wonder why they specifically mentioned Peter. Does anyone know? Because he denied him three times on his way to the cross, right? He followed Jesus, said he would surely be with him always, right? Wow, I love Peter. He gives me so much hope for my life. But he denies him. And the last thing he does is deny Jesus three times. Jesus dies, and now Jesus is risen. And so this angel just makes it very clear. Hey, tell the disciples, and by the way, that still includes Peter. Specifically, go tell Peter, okay? All right, that's good news. Let's keep going. Um, That he's going before you, so Jesus is going to go before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So Jesus has already told the disciples this, okay? He already explained it to them, though they did not understand. It's okay. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed 
and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Wow. Now, this is not going to make a whole lot of sense if you just keep reading, so I'm going to talk to you about some of the other Gospels here, because in John 20, it actually says that Mary Magdalene, I don't know when, but eventually she ran to Peter and John, right? And she tells them the tomb is empty. So she actually went to Peter, who was specifically mentioned by the angel, and says, the tomb is empty. They've taken Jesus. And so they run to the tomb, and John makes a note that he outran Peter, you know, because he's the most beloved of God, if you know John. So he outruns Peter to the tomb, but John goes in first, and then Peter goes in, and they see the tomb is empty. And then what did they do? They went to their house. Why? I don't know. But they go to their homes. Mary is still standing there. She ran with them back to the tomb. So Mary's now been there twice. Mary comes back to the tomb, and she's standing outside, and she's weeping. And then two angels appear. You might have read that in another one of the gospels. Two, two angels appear. And they ask her, why are you weeping? And she's looking for Jesus. So she's like, I don't know where they've taken him. I can't find Jesus. And all of a sudden she turns around and she sees a gardener who is Jesus, by the way. And he says, woman, why are you weeping? And he asks her, who are you looking for? And she says she's looking for Jesus. And so then Jesus calls her by name and says, Mary. And she recognizes his voice. And all of a sudden she realizes this is Jesus. And she realizes that he really has arisen. It's been a thing. She went there twice, and it just hadn't sunk in. She's seen three angels at this point, right? And she hasn't gotten it, that he wasn't stolen. His body wasn't taken somewhere, that he was risen from the dead. But she hadn't gotten it until she heard her name spoken by Jesus. And so then what does she do? She runs, and she tells everyone, he's alive. So let's keep reading with that. All right, so now when he rose early on the first day of the week, talking about Jesus, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. That's the story that I just told you about. Out of whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. So they're still not getting that he was going to raise from the dead. They're still in mourning and weeping. Think about it. They expected the Messiah to come in and free them from Roman occupancy, right? And then they watch him die on a cross, and he's dead. And even though he told them that he would rise again, they just didn't get it. They're mourning, and they're weeping. And when they heard this good news that he was alive, and he had been seen by her, they did not believe. I mean, hard-headed, right? No. Some of us can be that way, right? So it's like God's telling us over and over, and it's like, no way. I'm just going to sit here and mourn and weep. There's no way he's alive. So after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. Now, do you you guys know what that is? The walk to Emmaus, right? So you can look in Luke, and you'll see when Jesus appeared to two men on the way to Emmaus, and they're talking about Jesus, and he's like, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, how do you not know? And so they tell him, and then he's like, well, how do you not know? And he explains the scriptures to them, and then suddenly they realize as they're breaking bread with Jesus that it's Jesus. And then they run and tell everyone. So later he appeared to the 11, 
as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So they didn't believe Mary, and they didn't believe the two guys on the walk to Emmaus that came and said, he's risen, I've seen him, he's alive, right? But then I want to say this too, that in another version of the Gospels, it says that he gave them an ability to understand, and he opened up their eyes to the resurrection. So it's almost like they couldn't even believe before, because he clearly, we're going to read some, uh, some verses later, that clearly talks, that he clearly states he would die and rise again. But the disciples couldn't understand it, and then Jesus opens their minds, and they understand it. And then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now this, this is a key verse here. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be what? Wow. If we lived with an eternal perspective of whether or not we fulfilled the Great Commission, how are they even going to believe if we don't go and tell them? And then if they can't believe, then what? Then they're condemned. But we get uncomfortable sharing the gospel. We've got to live with eternity. So next, though, verse 17 is really amazing. And these signs followed those who what? Oh, not, not superheroes? Oh, not only special people that God picks? It's those who what? What's going to happen? They're going to cast out demons. They're going to speak in new tongues. They're going to take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will what? Oh, wow. So if you believe, you can lay your hands on the sick and they'll get better? This is amazing. But so then... After he had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. Now, what it doesn't say there in another gospel, it says after he gave them that, then he said, wait for the promise of the Father, the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's going to come on you in power, and then you're going to go do these things. So I just wanted to put that in there. The Holy Spirit is very important in that. So after he does that, then he actually is received up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God, and then what? They went out and preached where? Everywhere. Only in church buildings? No. They preached everywhere? What, did they, what, did they, what happened when they preached? The Lord worked with them, right? And he confirmed the word through accompanying signs. This is so good, guys. And I actually, I'm going to call this message the resurrected life. Because... Honestly, when Pastor Hunter asked me to do this message, I thought, yes, this is the Great Commission. I was, like, really excited. As an evangelist, you're really excited about that, right? It's like you live your life for the Great Commission. Even though all are called to preach the gospel, there's something about it. And then I'm reading it, and it's like the main thing in it that I love the most is the fact that Jesus is alive. Because without that, our faith is useless. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about what the resurrected life of Jesus means to you and me, because if we don't understand that, we'll never fulfill the Great Commission. And so, without the resurrection, think about this. Imagine Jesus comes, he dies on a cross, and he never raises again. What does that mean? That would mean that there's no victory over death, There's no victory over the grave and over hell. There's no ultimate victory in Christ. There's no hope. If Jesus didn't raise again from the dead, there'd be no hope for new life for you and I. I mean, Paul actually says, 
Let me go here real quick. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, if Christ had not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. Wow. So the fact that it says he's risen and the fact that he's alive today, I'm telling you, is one of the most important facts you need to have a revelation of in your own life. Because Jesus is alive. He's not dead. The cross is powerful. It really is. But it's not powerful without the resurrection. We can't leave it out. Even when we preach the gospel, I cringe. And even I used to do this. Used to be guilty. Okay? Used to share the gospel with people and forget the resurrection. Now I emphasize it because because he lives, I live. And because he lives, you can live. This is so important. We can't forget the resurrection when we share the good news with people. It is the good news. Like it is. You've missed the point if you missed the fact that he rose from the dead. And so I don't know if you guys have seen these red bracelets around here. I love it. I don't know if Pastor Hunter thought of this all on his own or where he got it from, but it's his tool. That's amazing, and, and I use it. But anyways, we have some left. If you don't have a bracelet that's what's the gospel, you can raise your hand, and this is going to help you guys understand what it is. And as they pass out the bracelets, I'm just going to go through mine. There's five key words of what the gospel is. Love, sin, cross, and when the cross, always think the resurrection. Okay, repent and receive. And so if you're not wearing yours either, you can get one. We have plenty for you today. But I want you to know that the gospel really is that God so loved the world, right? He created you and I to be with you. But then sin got in the way and separated us from God, right? But God knew that would happen and he he made a way to redeem it by coming on the cross. So God himself leaves his throne comes to earth, is born as a baby, even humbles himself to a seed in a virgin's womb. Merry Christmas, right? And then he's born and he walks a sinless life. And he dies the most gruesome death, but then he raises again to new life because the wages of sin is death. So he took on our death that we deserve for our sin. He took our punishment. And then he not only paid the punishment for sin, but he broke the power of it when he rose from the dead, right? And so now we don't even have to live as slaves to sin. We can live as sons and daughters of God if we will just repent from our ways and receive him as Lord of our life. So I want to give you this bracelet. This is the good news, my friends, that we are going to preach everywhere, okay? If you will preach the gospel, say amen. Amen. Awesome, Lord, you heard that. They said they'll preach it. Okay, sometimes I think God's sneaky. He gets you singing a worship song, saying certain words, and you don't realize what you're praying, and then all of a sudden he takes you up on them. Okay, he will. All right, so I want you to look at John 14, 19, and 20, because this is a really good verse. I don't know if they, yep, there we go. Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and he said, soon you will no longer see me, but you will see me. So he's speaking about, him going to the cross and dying, right? And then he's saying, hey, but you're going to see me. And he says, since I live, you also will live. Since he lives, we can live. And some of you may feel like you're not really living today. But I'm here to tell you, he's saying, because I live, you can live. And then he says in verse 20, I love this verse, when I am raised to life again. Yes. 
Like, how clear was it? He was very clear with the disciples. They just didn't get it. But it's okay. He said, when I'm raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father. Now, that is an easy statement to believe. Jesus is in the Father, right? They're both God. And you are in me. Whoa. We are in Christ. Hidden in Christ. I don't have to worry about what the enemy wants to try to do to me because I'm hidden with Christ. And then it says, and I am in you. And this is what I want to focus on for a minute. Christ, the living God, the creator of the universe, the one that by him, through him, and for him, all things exist and have their being, lives in you. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, he now lives in you. Wow. This is something that I feel like God's been really speaking to me about in the last six weeks is his ultimate plan. And his ultimate plan didn't stop at the cross, okay? His ultimate plan was to be with us, right? He created the Garden of Eden. He wanted to be with us. He walked with Adam and Eve. Sin got in the way, separated him, but he still wanted to be with us. So he had the Holy of Holies in the temple, but only one man could enter in once a year after doing many sacrifices. It wasn't good enough. God wants to be with us. So what does he do? He sends Jesus. He sends his only son to to come. And then now what? Jesus is with us. Emmanuel. It's like Isaiah says, the virgin will have a son and his name will be Emmanuel. God with us. But it didn't stop there because then you would have to travel all the way to where one man was. Jesus. If you wanted a true encounter with the presence of God. That wasn't good enough for God. God had a better plan. What was his plan? His plan was to die. Jesus said, it's better that I die. Why? So then now the Holy Spirit can come and he can be in us. So Jesus dies on a cross. He raises to new life. And now, my friends, we have Christ on the inside of us. And proximity is no longer an issue for the world. Everywhere I walk, I don't know about you, everywhere I walk, there is a living encounter with God on the inside of me for anyone I come into contact with. Why? Because I'm some superwoman? No, because I have the son of the living God living on the inside of me. It's not my power, it's his power. It's not your power, it's his power. And now I have no limitations on my life, but I can't do this, I can't do that. God, I don't speak well, whatever it is limitless because I am now the daughter of the most high God and Christ lives in me and all I am is a yielded vessel to say yes Lord whatever you want whatever you want and if we don't live with this perspective of what it means to have Christ in us we will never fulfill the the good things that he has for us and let me tell you something Andrew Murray said something that stuck out to me. He said, a revived church is the only hope for a dying world. Why? Because Jesus rose and he sat down at the right hand of the Father, and he now works through us. And if we're not working and allowing him to work through us, where's the hope of the world? We need to wake up. We need to realize who we are in God. And this isn't like, oh, it's all about me. This is really a dying to self. Because I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. It's a full surrender. 
And when we fully surrender and lay down our lives, we will see the most glorious, glorious things in our life. But the moment, the moment we stop dying is the moment we stop living. The moment we stop dying is the moment we stop living. I think that's why Jesus said, he who wants to follow me, pick up your cross daily. There's a daily surrender to Jesus. That God, I know I have my plans. I know I have my ambitions. I know I have my desires. But God, I lay it all down at the foot of the cross. And I say, whatever you have for me, Lord, yes. If, if just us in here, there's plenty of us in here would do that. Oh, how Kennesaw and the world would be shaken with the gospel. Really. And so I want to wrap this up. I just want to say a couple things about the Great Commission. One, I want you guys to understand the eternal impact, like I said earlier. What are we living for day to day? Is what you're doing today going to matter for eternity? Because it can. It really can. And I want you to know that signs and wonders can follow you. And you can do, you know, in the verse it says you can cast out demons, lay your hands on the sick, drink poison, basically it won't hurt you, all that stuff. Why? Because Christ is in you. If he's the one living on the inside of you, then the way you walk should be as he walked. And the way your life looks should look like his life because he's the one living through you. You know? So I want to encourage you that God wants to use you and the hope of the world is in the church because Christ is in the church. And this is a 911 hour for America. And the church is the first responder. And I feel like God's asking you guys today on December 26, 2021, will you be my first responder? Will you be my hands and feet? Or will you just stay comfortable? While the world around you is dying and going to hell. This is a reality. Now, I'm going to close by telling you a story. Because I love stories. And I don't want to do a whole message without a story. No, I'm kidding. This story is going to lead up to a decision that you have in your life. And it's a butterfly story, but it is about a very, very wise man that reminds me of Solomon when I hear about it. And there was this town that had a wise man in it who he knew the answer for everything. For everything. Anytime anyone had any issue, they would go to this man, and he knew truth, he knew wisdom, he could do it. Right? And so this young boy, as boys tend to be, wanted to fool the man. And he was like, I'm going to trick that man. So what does he do? He goes and he gets a butterfly. And he says, I'm going to get a butterfly. I'm going to put it in my hand. And I'm going to go ask the man, is the butterfly dead or alive? And the man, if he says the butterfly is alive, then I'm going to crush it in my hand and open it and it'll be dead. But if he says it's dead, I'm going to open my hand and it's going to fly away. I'm surely going to trick this old man. It's a pretty clever idea. So he goes, he gets the butterfly, he goes to the man, and he says, Old man, 
is this butterfly alive or dead in my hand? And you know what the man says? The answer is in your hands. And I want to tell you today that whether or not you live the life of abundant life or the life of death is in your hands. God gives us free will, my friends, and he's not pushing himself on you today. But I'm going to tell you that Jesus is all. He's everything. And he doesn't take part. And so if you've given your life to Jesus at one time, but he's never really been all to you, then I challenge you because Jesus is all and he doesn't play just part. And he's giving you an opportunity today to fully give your life to him and surrender. And so right now, I would just like us all to stand but recognize the holy moment that we're in. And I want you to think about your life. Have you really given your all to Jesus? Is he really your all? I'm going to read a verse for you out of Matthew 10. It says, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, this is Jesus to you today, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, if you cling to your addictions, if you cling to your bad habits, if you cling to your unforgiveness, if you cling to your own ambitions and desires and you're not wanting to give them up, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. My friends, I love you so much. I don't want you to lose your life. But he says, if you give up your life for me, if you give it up, you'll find it. Oh, this is good news, my friends. And so I'd like to ask if, if in here you have held on to your life and at this moment you would like to answer this call and surrender your full life to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords, and say, I'm going to turn from everything I've done before in the past. I'm laying down every area of my life to you, Jesus. Come and have your way in my life. Then I want you to come to the altar meet Jesus because Jesus is here and when you surrender your life to him in every area he's going to fill your life fully that's when you find life maybe some of you in here today have surrendered your life in the past but you started picking up your old life again and you're wondering why your life is so stinky and it's because you're dragging around a dead corpse and you want to lay that down today, I encourage you to come to the altar. This first altar call is an altar call of full surrender to Jesus so that you can have the full life of Jesus living on the inside of you. So I'm just going to give a moment longer. God, I thank you that anyone in here that's not fully surrendered to you, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you draw them to, the, to yourself, draw them to Jesus. Jesus. 
doesn't matter what people will think of you. Why don't you just look at your neighbor and say, do you need to go down there? I'll walk with you. Jesus is merciful and kind, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Why don't we all pray this prayer together? And it's it's a prayer that means nothing without your heart being in it. I can't pray it for you, but it's a prayer that I'm going to pray from my heart, and I pray that you do too. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, have all of me. God, I give you my entire life. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Come be my Lord. I surrender all. In Jesus' name. Amen. Felicia's going to give another call here in just a minute for prayer, but I need to say this first. It's just wild what she was talking about today. The Holy Spirit spoke to me something so vividly last week. And it was it really caught me off guard. We have to understand this before we pray for the next thing. We often say Jesus is the hope of the world. And yes, he is. But that's only part of the story. Jesus already came and did his part to be the hope of the world. The New Testament says after the resurrection that it's Christ in us that's the hope of God's glory in the world. Most of the time, church, this is so important, most of the time, God does not sovereignly work in people's lives to bring them to himself. He does it by the Holy Spirit. But Jesus no longer physically has a body in his body in the earth. Where's the body of Christ? How is Je- how is Jesus Christ himself in the earth today to be the hope of the world? How is that? It's through us. That's why it's so important what Felicia just read. We're in Christ and he's in us. So it's not just Jesus is the hope of the world. We're actually the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. It's Christ in the church that's the hope of the world. The church is the only way Jesus physically can manifest himself to the world. And be the hope that people need. Come on, say, I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. I'm the hope of the world. Jesus in me. Me in Jesus is the hope of the world. That's how important we are, church. That's how important you are. You are your neighbor's hope of physically seeing Christ. You're your family's hope 
You're your friend's hope. You're your co-worker's hope. You're your classmate's hope. We are our society's hope. We are our community's hope of seeing and experiencing and encountering Jesus. He wants to move, but he's gonna move through us. So how desperately we need the Holy Spirit. Yes, God. Would you lift your hands in this place today to Jesus? I'm gonna pray right now that the Holy Spirit would give you a revelation of Jesus in you. God, I thank you for every person in this place. And God, I thank you you, as you've shown me and you've been showing me what it is to have Christ in me. God, I just pray that right now you would open their eyes like you opened the minds of the disciples and they were able to understand that Jesus, you are alive. I pray right now that you would open our hearts, God, and we would receive a revelation of Christ in us, God. That it is no longer us who live, but it is you that lives in us, Jesus. I pray for everyone here today, Lord, open their eyes to see clearly, God. To see rightly, Lord. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're willing to say, that I have surrendered my life to Jesus and that he's in me. And I understand that the hope of the world now is Christ in me, the hope of glory. I want you to come because the disciples, before they could go out and preach the gospel, they had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what I want is a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit to come upon all the sons and daughters of God that say, I am the hope of the world. I will go. I will preach the gospel to all creation. I will lay my hands on the sick. I'll see them recover. It's not about me anymore. It's not about my desires. It's not about my life, God. It's about you, Jesus, receive the glory. To live this life, you need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and that's how he moved. And he wants to come upon you and Christ in you. And he wants to move through you. And so Holy Spirit, I thank you right now for a fresh baptism of fire to fall on your people. A fresh baptism of fire to fall on your people, to go, to go, to preach the gospel lay their hands on the sick and see them recover. Jesus, we say yes.